Welcome to Sexology, a podcast that untangles the science of sex and pleasure. And now, with this week's episode, your host, clinical psychologist, Dr. Nazanin Moali. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Sexology Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Nazanin Moali. Before I start this episode, I wanted to remind you guys that I, I am developing this content of mental health challenges and sex and how they're impacting our sexuality and what you can do to change the situations. So far, I recorded two bonus episodes, one around depression and one around OCD and sex. And if you haven't checked it out, make sure you are following the link in the show notes and check those episodes out. And I'm developing this library of content around mental health challenges and sexual health. And I encourage you guys to sign up for the newsletter so you can get notified when the content is out. Today, it's going to be a solo episode. I got this voicemail in Sexology Podcast website from one of our listeners that talked about his struggle of being in a long-term marriage when sex is not a priority. This is one of the issues that I feel very, very passionate about because it's impacting huge number of people. I was looking at literature and even conservative numbers in the literature shows that 15 to 20 percent of married American couples are estimated to be in sexless marriages. And I recently wrote an article on Pornhub education sites around this. Uh, when it's live, I'll leave a link in the show notes to that. But if you're curious, what is a sexless marriage? Sexless marriage is defined when a couple has sex fewer than 10 times per year. And even if you're thinking about this as an American issues, you're certainly wrong. Because the numbers, international literature showed crazy numbers. I was looking at these Japanese studies, and it showed that the number for Japanese married couples, it was closer to 45%. So almost half of the couples were in this situation that uh, they were not having enough sex in their marriage. And the sexless marriage is not when 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 a couple decide to be uh, voluntarily practice celibacy. So this is a very, very important issue. And I've seen it's impacting the marriages and lead to divorce or separation and all sorts of issues. Anyhow, I want you guys to listen to this audio and we can talk about what we can do and what are some of the uh, recommendations I have for this individual. Hi, Dr. M. I'm uh, wanting to ask a question about what to do in my marriage, which has been more than 20 years now. And we knew each other for like 13 years before that. And it seems like our sex life has basically diminished to nothing. We haven't had sex now in several months. And that doesn't seem to bother my wife. But I'm very hungry and for intimacy, both physical and emotional. And my wife does, does not make herself available to me. She takes off in the morning to drop the kid off to school. We have a, a daughter who's in school. And she doesn't come back home while I get ready for work. I work very long hours. We both went to medical school. I ended up paying for her medical school education, and she never practiced medicine. And I've been struggling to keep my practice going, and I cannot get her to help me in my practice, either as a doctor or otherwise. And 
I don't know what she even does all day, but um, I'm quite frustrated and resentful, and I don't know what to do because I basically don't desire her anymore. She's not appealing to me. Please help if you can. Thank you. Well, my heart certainly goes to to this listener, and thank you so much for reaching out. This is, as I said, definitely more common issue than people are recognizing or even talking about it, but it can impact the quality of the relationship significantly because not, not, not being physically intimate with your partner, it can create an emotional distance. And sex is a form of attachment. And if it's not present in the relationship, it may harm the quality uh, quality of the attachment. So it's really important to kind of address it and problem solve around this issue if this is something that you feel that you want to address it. I encourage you to talk about it and think about the steps that talk about it with your spouse and think about the steps that I'm going to talk about. First of all, I had this question about whether this issue is the byproduct of the relationship dissatisfaction. So you mentioned that your wife's staying home. You don't know what she's doing. It seems like you guys both went to advanced to get advanced degrees. And now I, I sense a little bit of resentment around how things unfolded. And I hear that you are feeling uh, resentful, you're feeling disappointed, you're feeling that almost like she didn't deliver on the things in the marriage that you were hoping that she would. So I'm curious to see how did that, how would that impact the relationship? Because, you know, it's not like we have sex, especially in the marriage, in the vacuum. It always happens in the context of the relationship. So if we are having this resentment, sadness toward our partner, that definitely impacts the quality of the sex. So oftentimes couples refrain from sex when they feel like they've grown apart and they, they don't even like each other because of those relationship issues. And that that naturally leads to less desire. So I'm kind of curious, is this happening in your marriage or it is kind of a byproduct of this, this relationship dissatisfaction, byproduct of not, not feeling sexually and emotionally fulfilled inside the bedroom? So I think it's very important to think about which, which was the primary issue that, that kind of got in the way. And because the way that we're going to address it will be different. Because if the relationship is an issue, it's important to repair the relationship first, right? Because when I started sex therapy, I was naive and I was just jumping into giving people like sexual interventions and homework. And, and I was starting, I feel prematurely sexual interventions. But uh, what I know right now that if you don't like your partner, you're not going to experience desire. You don't want to have sex with them and you're not going to do the homework that the sex therapists are assigning to you. So definitely I encourage you to think about what's going on. What, what is the primary issue here? First step in doing this, I want you to take a time yourself and reflect on your wants and needs. 
perhaps you can take a time to journal about your emotions, your your thoughts, because being in a sexless relationship, most of the time there's strong and confusing emotions in one or both partners. So sometimes when we have the strong emotions, when uh, when we want to talk about it with our partner, we might appear kind of like intrusive. They, they might experience us very, being very intrusive or harsh or invalidating. So it's important to kind of like process some of those emotions with yourself. And I always tell my clients that approach it with some sense of curiosity, like in a way that an anthropologist kind of would examine the habits and life of a new tribe. I want you to think about the first time that you noticed the drop in the frequency and this patterns of sexual relationship changing. Is that an issue you guys always had from the beginning or something happened then led to some changes? And some of the common things that I see that leads to these changes, if the couples were feeling connected initially, part of it could be some health conditions, right? Or disease or childbearing, like after pregnancy, many, many, many of my clients that I see with couples, their sex life got diminished or disappeared after they had children because of part of it is like physiological changes in the woman's body and the gap it creates on and kind of wanting to have sex. And after that, it, it kind of sets a negative tone in a sexual relationship and it's hard to reset. I mean, it's absolutely possible, but it requires some mindfulness. So I want you to think about what was that after she had your first daughter, you guys had the first daughter, or it happened after some medical condition, Some sometimes after cancer, as you know, you're a physician, that like our libido can change. Could be a number of different things that might, might have contributed to this change. One of the things that our people are not necessarily talking about it, it's like natural changes in, in the pattern of our sexuality when we get married. I, I genuinely believe maintaining passion in face of like marriage and in the context of marriage requires serious effort. Many people were taught that the idea of happily ever after comes when after you get married and everything will be great and you will have great sex. And I hear the slogan at times that great sex happens in in marriages and only in marriages, which is absolutely the myth. As I, I, one of the things that I love comes from the, one of the concepts that I love comes from this evolutionary anthropologist. I know that Helen Fisher has a TED talk on this that talks about that as humans, we are designed for serial monogamy. So it's like we are designed to be bond, made, procreate, and then separate because of how the evolution works. We're not meant to be together for, I don't know, 50, 60, 70 years. I'm not saying that there, there's no benefit associated with being in a, a monogamous relationship. I certainly, as someone who's married, I can definitely identify many, many positive things about marriage. But most of the time, unless you do something about sexual interaction you have with your partner, it will disappear. And I can kind of guarantee, like, if you ask your colleagues, your friends, and if they give you honest opinion, they will tell you unless they made some serious effort, their sex life died after 
30, 40, 50 years, unless they are serious about keeping things hot and the relationship rewarding, like sexually. So people, again, they have this misconception that sex will be great when when couples are together, but sexual our sexual life cycle in a relationship goes through different stages. So stage one is being in love. So this is kind of high energy, emotion, passion, this uh, fireworks that many people love, this excitement of increased level of all sorts of neurotransmitters, usually lasts approximately about six year, six months to two years. So that's, that is that when people, this is one of the issues that people, when they don't know about different uh, stages, they might get disappointed because they feel there's something going on in the relationship when they move to the next stage. Not knowing that this could be a natural life cycle of the relationship. So second stage is a passionate love. This is a stage that you feel bonded, you feel commitment and safe. your feeling of safety is more present in the relationship. You are feeling like this deep feeling of connection and friendship with your partner. Unfortunately, this is the stage that people feel kind of a drop in their sexual attraction and passion because they have they have this feeling of kind of familiarity and like many people get divorced after four years. But it's then when you are in this phase, it's really, I think, important to think about that this is normal. There is nothing wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with the relationship, possibly. You are, you enter the compassionate love stage. Congratulations. Doesn't mean that you're not going to have great sex, but it means that because you have this sense of bonding and excitement with your partner, it will require more effort and creativity to make sure that sexual aspect of the relationship is also hot and exciting. So I guess back, getting back to the listener, so I want you to, after you kind of like explore these things about when this issue start, I want you to kind of take a good look at what are some of the actions that are contributing to the cycle? Because in a relationship, I always tell my clients that it's like a dance. You, you and your partner both are doing things that are contributing to maintaining this cycle. Perhaps, you know, she is withdrawing. She doesn't show interest in sex. Maybe then you feel rejected. You withdraw more. So it could be a number of different things or you possibly pursue her and kind of like want to be closer to her. And the more you do that, she withdraws. So it's important to identify what are some of the actions that keeps the cycle going. And I want you to kind of look at and think about what are some of the ways that you try to resolve this issue? Did you guys went to counseling? Did you talk to her? What what were some of the things that you, you tried? Because I can guarantee you that like most of the time when I do this with my clients, they feel they tried everything. But in reality, they try a couple of things and they feel that kind of disheartened because they feel that nothing worked. So it's important to kind of think about what are some of the things that you tried and how invested you are to change things around. The next step, I want you to certainly talk to her about it. And I don't, I don't mean like, you know, mention it while you guys are on the way to pick up your daughter or to the family dinner party. I want you to talk to her in a way that you're setting a time, you're scheduling a talk with her. 
because I, I want her and you have a good opportunity to kind of talk about it in more in depth. And when we are asking our partner about kind of scheduling these conversations, it gives them the message that I, I, I would need your full attention about this conversation. Because, and I am guilty of that. Sometimes after work, my husband is talking to me, I'm cooking, I'm doing like doing different kind of things around the house. He's doing his own things and I'm not like necessarily fully present. But this is one of those conversations that will require her to be present and you to, in order for you to be able to share something vulnerable. When you are talking to her about it, it's important to talk about it in a neutral way. I want you to kind of at least maybe like even role play it with yourself or talk about it and shower about how are you going to bring it up? Because if you are kind of using a language that she thinks you're attacking her, she might get defensive and she might feel blame and you guys might not get anywhere. So kind of focus on your goal. What is the goal? I want you to kind of have this more of a solution focus approach toward, toward it. So kind of talk to her about this is the pattern that we've noticed. This is what's going on in a relationship since, honey, in past nine months, I've noticed that we, uh, we haven't been intimate. And talk about how are you feeling about it? Kind of saying that, you know, this, the same thing you mentioned, I feel uh, hungry for emotional and physical intimacy with you. This is, I feel close when we are intimate, I feel closer to you. So kind of talking about your feeling and what you want instead of kind of trying to analyze the situation. And it's very important to put in the context. Definitely start with kind of neutral statement of describing what you observed and then kind of putting it on the term of what are you feeling. After you talk to her, you will have a better understanding of where she is as far as wanting to work on this relationship and this sexual challenges. Because it takes two to tango, right? She needs to be ready and uh, willing to change in order for you guys to see some changes. But I think the key is willingness. So after you talking, after you talk to her, you will have a better understanding of uh, her desires and how much she wants to change this. Because it, I can see that this conversation can go two direction. Perhaps she might bring up things in the past in the relationship that might have contributed to this low desire could be something as like previous infidelity. You could talk about perhaps could be something related to feeling of betrayal that she had or could be related to some of other challenges that she has with herself. So after talking to her, you would know if you need to focus on the relationship part of things or a sexual part of things. Afterward, if the issue is sex, I don't, I don't want you to leave this conversation with her without having a tangible plan. Because sometimes people say, you know, I'll do better and oh, we can focus on that and without creating any actionable plan. So if this is something that she says that she's also willing and interested to work on as uh, the next step would be kind of scheduling a date night. And I know that many people are probably kind of rolling their eyes saying that, you know, scheduling a date night is lame, sex needs to be spontaneous. But I can guarantee that like having a scheduled sex is better than having no sex. So it's, it can be a very, very good start. So again, it could be a 
could be opportunity for you guys emotionally connect and eventually sexually connect. So if the issue that she says, you know, perhaps she feels like overwhelmed or she feels that it's kind of awkward since you guys haven't been connected sexually. So it can, you guys can have that time to start things as at the pace that you guys are comfortable. One thing that is important is to kind of talk about when, how, who, when it comes to sex during this uh, date night. I don't want you guys to have the schedule a date night, Friday night at 10 p.m. If your your spouse is probably hung, uh, hungry or exhausted, she's not in the mood. So I want you guys to choose a time that works for both of you guys as far as your sexual rhythm. So if, if one of you guys are willing, want to have sex in the morning and the other one is a desire is higher in afternoon, finding some common ground time to talk about, like kind of ha- have this conversations and also date nights. And also talk about and discuss that when are those times, like putting in a schedule and calendar the same way you w- would put the, a patient in your calendar and then talking about perhaps you can take turns on who's initiating sex. Because although that it might appear that higher desire partner is initiating sex, therefore they have their control. Usually the low desire partner is the one that have she has or he has a control because the the couple are having sex on the rhythm that she or he wants. So it's important to kind of like talking about, okay, perhaps we're taking turns. So uh, you can change this dynamic. The other step that I think can be very important is kind of introducing novelty into the relationship. Couples in long-term relationship and marriages usually suffer from what is known as leftover sex. This is a term that one of my supervisors taught me that at times in a relationship, we may eliminate sexual acts that our partner were not into it. Right. Like at the beginning, we want to try something. They say, you know, I'm not, I know, I don't think so. The other, then they say something and you say, I don't think so. And then at the end, you guys are having kind of an identical sexual ritual for decades. And that can create a sexual boredom. And I feel people are not talking enough and doesn't, they don't give enough credit to sexual boredom. That can kill people's desire, can kill the attraction. So I want you guys to perhaps think about how can you introduce some novelty in the relationship? It could be depending on you and your partner's interest. Perhaps you guys can go to a sex shop or uh, you guys can try something that you haven't tried. Maybe going to a kind of like this racy show. My husband and I, we went to the Cirque du Soleil show in Vegas that was very sexy and a tad. It was like kind of, I don't know how to describe it, but it was very kind of seductive and it wasn't the usual Cirque du Soleil show. But I guess the point is doing something that's within your area of comfort with your wife, but still exciting. Some couples, they, they, they go to sex parties or there are, I know in LA, we have number of different kind of sexual performances, meaning that like there are these BDSM parties, could be number of different things that you can do depending on your level of interest and your partner's interest could be, I guess the, the easiest thing is you guys take turn about talking about your sexual fantasies or sharing about the time that you guys, you and your wife had wonderful sex and what were you guys doing and trying to recreate that. 
The other thing is you may or may not be kind of helpful for for this situation is kind of like looking and exploring uh, what is exciting and sexual exciting to you and to your partner. So this is a kind of something that you create together could be a kind of like a practice of sexual and like it's intersection of sexuality and spirituality. Many of my clients, they benefited from Tantra. So you can perhaps take a Tantra workshop, which is, these are the kind of like practices that include elements of a deep breathing and eye gazing and erotic massage before and after intercourse. So you get the idea. So if the issue you sense that it's erotic boredom, incorporating novelty can make a huge difference. And this would be a good thing to bring up and for the date night. At times, I tell my clients that each week, one partner needs to plan it. So, and you guys cannot do the same thing. So, because of what I realized at that time, people sit in front of TV or watch something and kind of feeling disconnected and they never have sex during date nights. So since the goal is to sexually connect, then it's important to choose a kind of activity that kind of like promote that excitement. And it could be possibly nothing related to sex, but something that is exciting because when we are feeling excited in a relationship, it's impact our sexuality. So it could be excitement of trying new things. In the same way that you were trying them in the early relationship, could be taking romantic trips or could be kind of like doing activity you haven't done together before. Um, so I guess like it's such an individual thing that I want you to talk to her about it and also check in with yourself. And lastly, something that I wanted to encourage you and also all our listeners that definitely if the issue is sex, consider sex therapy. Because what happens that people are kind of like get stuck in these cycles of sadness and frustration and resentment and they don't know where to go. But with, with the help of a sex therapist, you can kind of have someone that helps you to have this conversation, A, and B, will give you guys some concrete, actionable steps to do. What usually end up happening is people are waiting three, four years before going into therapy. And now that there are multiple other issues compounded to the original problem that the couple are they experience. So it will be harder to uh, revive the sexual part of the relationship. So if you, you continue to struggle after having a conversation with her and kind of implementing all these things, it's important to kind of consult with a sex therapist. Sex therapy is one of those things that even few sessions of it can make a huge difference. Anyhow, this was some of the recommendation I have I had for a listener. Guys, if you guys have recommendation for him or things you tried in your relationship that worked, please leave me a voicemail at sexologypodcast.com and I will play it uh, in the show if it's helpful and relevant to to this listener. And please don't forget to like, subscribe, write a review in Apple Podcasts, Stitchers, or any other platform that you listen the podcast, that you listen this podcast at. I really appreciate your support. You guys are my marketing group. This is a passion project. So I will I will need as many support as I can. Thank you guys and I'll talk to you later.
Thanks for listening to Sexology Podcast. For more great content, visit www.sexologypodcast.com. Please be advised that information presented on this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health provider.